now. Google image me, bro. See all of my stone-faced redhead pictures. Did I did I show you this while we were talking about Gabe Kapler? I looked it up. Touch them all, listeners. If oh, you're, he's, if you he's want a beautiful treat. man. He really is. Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. It's a beautiful game. Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hot mics, also hot takes. Did you see? Do you know what I'm gonna bring up? I, uh, I, we didn't. We didn't plan this, but do you know what I'm going to ask you about? Uh, when I mentioned hot takes and the twins in the same sentence this it, week, is it the uh, the notion that Trevor Plouffe should be non tendered? No, by I don't our think coworker that's, Patrick Royce in the hallway. We can talk about that. I don't think that's that hot of a take, um, given the third base market that's out there. We can certainly dive in. That's fine. Uh, uh, MinPost columnist Pat Borzi, uh, who's a friend of mine, suggested um, on MinPost.com that Alex Rodriguez should be a member of the Minnesota Twins Ooh. right now. Okay. Uh, not because, just in the future, but signed now that the Yankees have released him. Uh, because they need one more D-League softball <laughs> player without a position? <laughs> right. Let me, let, let's count the first base, third base DHs on the roster right now. Kenny Vargas, this is on the 40-man. Yeah. Adam Brett Walker, who's right. I think he's leading the uh, the international league in home runs right now, would be a would fantastic softball player, eighty uh, grade power for sure. Byung Ho Park would be an amazing Roseville community softball player. Trevor Plouffe, Joe Maurer, Miguel Sano, and you know what? Jorge Polanco isn't a D League softball player, but he's not going to play second base. They don't think he's a shortstop, which means he's a third baseman, so he's in that group. Hmm. So yeah, I think A Rod fits right in. Yeah, right. just put him uh, put him right in that long line of uh, well, D League softball player. And this goes to the we've had this conversation before. I won't rehash it for this episode of the podcast. Um, if you'd like our hot Miguel Sano takes, I think that was in the previous episode, so one week ago. On you know, did the Twins screw this thing up? I think so. That's my personal opinion. They've screwed up by kind of jerking him around, throwing him in right field arrogantly sort of assuming that was going to work without a backup plan. But that doesn't mean that Sano isn't himself culpable for some of this problem, too. I mean, he he just is. He's a part of the equation. We talked about hitting coach Tom Brunanski's comments on your radio show on 1500 ESPN, how uh, the Twins are, frankly, kind of out, outwardly questioning Miguel Sano's work ethic. And, and so the premise of the column by Borzi is that the Twins need a veteran Latino leader to sort of corral the Kenny Vargases, the Eddie Rosarios, the Miguel Sanos of the world. So if you boil the column down to this, which is uh, the Twins should pay an expensive part-time coach, part-time player to be Miguel Sanos' babysitter, I think if you're asserting that, 
that you're basically saying we need to take one of our 25-man roster spots and allocate it to Sano's babysitter. You're probably in some trouble. Hmm. You're probably already in some trouble if that's what you're suggesting. And, I mean, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying Sano doesn't need a babysitter, but that would be a big problem if you're the Twins looking forward for the next five years if he needs sort of a personal coach. Well, I think uh, when, when you're young like that, you – it's possible you don't know what you don't know, and it's nice to have someone point that stuff out to you. You're talking about Sano, not Borzi, right? Uh, I'm talking about both, actually. Okay. No, I'm talking about Sano. I was going to so, say. But if, if you're going to go with the, the veteran, and if, if you deem that it has to be a Latin American player, it, that, it, that it, it must be a veteran Latin American player, and that's the only thing that's going to get to Miguel Sano, right? It can't be a coach. It can't be a manager. It can't be a white guy. It's got to be a Latin American player who's established. I think you go get someone who can be productive for you. Right. Um, well. So unless you want to rent A-Rod for two months and think that, that those two months are going to be life-changing for Miguel Sano, I'm not going to completely write off the comp. I think right, there, exactly. there, there is something to be said for bringing in players. Like, Torrey Hunter had a huge influence on a handful of players, at least in that clubhouse. Sure. Um, I think you could argue Sano's in that group. Yeah, 100%. So I'm not laughing off the notion of clubhouse right. leadership, and I, I don't know if, if you had a pecking order of clubhouse leaders right now at one Twins way. Brian Dozier and Trevor Plouffe were probably the uh, – Kurt Suzuki, there's some guys. I'm talking guys who are under contract for next year, though. Sure. Brian Dozier and Trevor Plouffe are in that category. I don't know how much Brian Dozier and or Trevor Plouffe are pulling Miguel Sano aside like a big brother and saying, hey, man, and you're in there more than I am, so uh, hey, man. Um, would really like to see you do X, Y, and Z. As a team leader, it's unacceptable that you aren't doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I don't know if that's happening with Miguel Sano right now, like it may have been in Twins clubhouses in the last 15 years. Well, I'll relay up an anecdote from the Twins clubhouse. And this one, it didn't work out, and it wasn't part of the thinking. It was just sort of a uh, fringe benefit, I'll call it. When the Twins side Kendris Morales, and that was early June, I want to say, and it didn't work out. He missed spring training, and um, you know how the whole the system probably cost him some money, and it cost him some playing time. And it meant that the Twins were in a position to sort of take a shot. They rolled the dice on Morales, and it it blew up fantastically. Like it, it just it wasn't happening. Now, if he was the the hitter he was then the following year for the Royals, and okay, you argue that's a different signing, but right. despite the non productivity on the field, and, and despite all the problems that came with it. The Twins were eventually able to dump that contract, so it was pretty limited downside. But the one interesting fringe benefit I found from it, Oswaldo Arcia was in that guy's hip pocket, constantly following him around. In the clubhouse, Arcia is always cracking jokes, by the way, um, and so is Sano. They're, they're good friends. Um, but like the dynamic between Morales and Arcia who I don't believe were good friends like before. They just sort of like that was his – that was someone like, oh, you've done something in the game. I look up to you. I respect you. And by the way, the language barrier doesn't exist, which is, I mean, a real problem, yeah. I think. Um, I, I don't think you can just turn a blind eye to that. Um, but anyways, uh, to the Arcia point, I my perception – was and keep in mind very very limited exposure to these guys it's not like i'm going out to the club with arcia to see if he's behaving well or the library or wherever but while they're in the clubhouse i felt like my personal perception was that arcia was better behaved he was doing the work it was no longer a 
Um, and I'm not saying he's a lazy player, but I'm just saying it was like, oh, okay, Morales is going to hit. All right, I'll be in the cage. I'm, I'm right there. Sure. Of course I'm going to go get this done. Sure. Sano, meanwhile, this year, this is totally, totally separate conversations, but uh, he's in the midst of a slump, and he blows off early batting practice that he was scheduled to be at. Uh, Phil Miller reported that in the Star Tribune. What? Why is that? Like, why? Unless there was some underlying thing that, that uh, you know, that wasn't known, but I think if you look at the facts on the surface, that is that is sort of reprehensible. It's too strong of a word, but it's admonishable. Definitely, you you you're a professional athlete. Take care of the things that need taken care of. Yeah, I think more 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 than anything, just to insert uh, this commentary real quick into your. I like the anecdote. I mean, it's it's worthwhile to to point out these deficiencies, even though you sure. can admire the thirty five or thirty seven home runs in one hundred sixty two games. It's you you want your star players to be self-motivated. So you want to hear that Miguel Sano takes enough pride in a poor performance or in a drop pop-up or a slump or whatever it is that he would be so mad that he would show up three hours before batting practice was scheduled to begin at 4 o'clock to be there for early BP right. until a coach tells him, hey, man, my arm is dead. Right. Like you, you want that from your star players if you're a fan. If I own the Twins or I'm running the Twins, I want Sano to wear out Gene Glenn. Yes. Not... Glenn to come to the clubhouse and say, hey, Miguel, are we doing infield or what? And I'm not saying that's happened. I'm just saying as a general anecdote, uh, I, I want Sano to make Tom Brunanski lose sleep. You know, it sounds kind of weird to say it like that. But I want, after a night game— Byron and, Buxton has caused Tom Brunanski to lose sleep. <laughs> it's a little bit different In a much story. different way. Yeah, a little bit different story. I, I would want that um, personal accountability from a star player. And now look— is this heaping, uh, heaping like lofty um, expectations on Sano? Of course it is. He's 23 years old. But in a perfect world, you know, if you're talking like the perfect career trajectory, not just the stats that are on the field, which, by the way, I think you could argue have been not just good but great for Sano, you would like to have him be the one in Kendrys Morales' shoes, mm-hmm. for example, just to go back to that anecdote. You'd want Sano to be the guy, hey uh, – Jorge Polanco, Eddie Rosario, I'm going to go take early BP. Um, oh, Ploof, Dozier, if you guys you guys want to go, I'm going to do some hitting. If you don't need it, you don't need it, but I'm, I'm working on a couple of things. Anybody want to go hit with me? That is exactly what you would want in a perfect world from a player of Sonal's caliber, and I think that the Twins' sort of pub, very public bristling at this is that he's not that. Are, are there flaws that we can pick apart with that? read on the situation yeah absolutely he's still a great player and he's still going to be very valuable for the twins for the next five years i wonder though uh the people that just sort of dismiss the twins as saying boy man i don't like the way you're treating sano i think there's um i think there are some problems with this i think um sano is infallible I think that's miscast. hundred percent. And so that's why I mean I'm not I'm really not being condescending with the Borzy column. I think it's interesting. I mean I disagree. I don't think the twins should sign A Rod, but I do think it's interesting that the notion is even being brought up of Miguel Sano might need a babysitter. Or Eddie Rosario. I, it's it's not like necessarily singling out Sano, but it's definitely the elephant in yeah, the room. I'd love to know like when did the work the work ethic light go on in the head of Michael Jordan in the head of when you sure. think of the most the combination of supremely talented, which Miguel Sano is in that category. If you're comparing him as a hitter to other baseball players who are 23 years old, he's in the 99.9th percentile. 
I mean, it's him, Carlos Correa, around that same age. And um, I, I'd love to know, go around the league, go around look at the Mike Trouts, go around and look at, like, Kevin Garnett and Kobe Bryant. When you watch Kobe Bryant and you see some of these specials on him spending six hours in a gym starting at 3 o'clock in the morning before the team practice starts at noon yeah. or whatever, and everyone shows up and there's Kobe having hoisted a 1,000 shots throughout the night because he's just a psycho. Was he doing that when he was 17? Right, I don't I mean, know. He, was, he worked his ass off when he was young. But I'll never forget the anecdote I heard about Kevin Garnett. And this is Kevin Garnett when he came back to the, to the Timberwolves. This is like 38-year-old Kevin Garnett. Okay. And it was uh, two – it was um, – might have been yeah, – I guess it was the off se- last offseason. So it, off it was like a year ago. Sure. After the midseason trade and then the season Correct. ends. He's coming back for – so did he So he and signed he a two-year two deal. deal. So, yeah. So my timeline's around this. You got it. So he's out in Los Angeles. And he invites – I don't know if he invited these guys or if they were just in L.A. It was like Shabazz Muhammad and some other young players. And he told these guys, be at the gym by 8 o'clock in the morning, whatever time. High, some high school gym out in Los Angeles. And they, they rented this thing out. And these guys show up at 7.55 or 8 o'clock, just like KG said. And there's KG. Worked up, complete lather, just alone in the gym, a psycho throwing down, sweating profusely, grunting. And these guys walk in the gym, and there's KG. Like, he's clearly been practicing for a long time. And he goes, where y'all been? Where y'all been? With a few more expletives, right? Y'all want to be great? You better get your ass in here and work. I've been here since, whatever, 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning, and you guys are showing up at 8 o'clock in the morning. Wow. And that's one of the most supremely talented athletes on the planet for the last 20 years. Also showing up at whatever time... he wakes up in the morning, six yeah. o'clock, hours before anyone else shows up. So the, the, the just to put a bow on this Miguel Sano conversation, and A Rod, don't forget about and A Rod, as, as the, former teammate Phil Hughes calls him Bay Rod. Okay. I like that. I think that's. I funny. saw the hashtag Bay Rod. I think that's funny. wasn't sure where that was from. Um, did, does Phil Hughes not like A Rod? No, they're friends. Oh, they are. Okay. Yeah, he calls him Bay Rod. Um, if if Miguel continues on with this level of talent. But sort of the nonchalant work ethic, he's going to be one of the best hitters in baseball still over the next 10 to 15 years, however long he plays. If he wants to be the next Manny Ramirez, as wacky as he was, or the next David Ortiz, just pick out great hitters the past 20 or 30 years. Miguel Cabrera. It's going to have to be more than just, hey, we've got to nudge you out to the batting cage. Right. Hey, we've got to nudge you out to the infield. Right. Uh, do you want to be a DH when you're 23? So I think it's fair. it's fair to say that over the first 162 games, he just passed that mark a few, week, a few, a few games ago. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best hitters we've ever seen in his first 162 games from a power standpoint. He also has a lot more room to improve. It's fair to say both those things. Yes. And if people think it's unreasonable to criticize a guy, we're not criticizing him for what he's done. We're criticizing him for what his potential could be. Uh, while acknowledging that he's already really sure. good for 23 years. Yeah. Uh, I actually heard I still on... wouldn't sign A-Rod, yeah. <laughs> just to make that clear. <laughs> or Kobe, actually, yeah. for that matter. Hey, this is Ben Gessling, the Vikings beat writer for ESPN. If you're into the Vikings and you're not already listening, make sure you check out the Purple Podcast on 1500 ESPN. Judd Zolgan and I break down the Vikings every week, tell you everything you need to know about the team. You can check us out on Podcast One, iTunes, or 1500ESPN.com. I heard on a podcast recently that there's a some certain percentage of the population that has a genetic mutation that allows them to only sleep for a few hours a night and still be fully replenished and recharged. 
I would so, love to have that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Because maybe maybe Kobe just had that because there's all the stories about how he basically an insomniac. I mean, he literally can't sleep through the night. But you don't watch him in the NBA Finals and think, boy, that that guy's suffering from lack of sleep. Yeah, that guy looks like he could use a nap right. out there. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, maybe when he was like, it's you know, different down, when he's down 30. the stretch yeah. last year. But... <laughs> right. It's a little bit different on the current Lakers. I want to float a name by you here and a little cross promotion. This was floated on our radio show last week and then again doubling down was doogie on his scoops podcast posted on monday night so if you want to listen to the full commentary from doogie i'm going to paraphrase it here he also he also chatted at length with rob anthony twins just uh, to be clear just to be clear on the plugs mackie and judd show that's one plug which you can find on itunes and the scoops podcast which you can find that anywhere great podcasts are sold doogie floated on our radio show that ben Sherrington was in the mix to some degree for uh for the twins gm did you hear his quote Doogies, I'm talking. On the Scoops podcast, he said, uh, search firm Corn Ferry has interest in Charrington, and Charrington, uh, very interested in this job. I'm telling you, very, 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 right. very, very mutually interested. And that's where I'm going here. Okay. So he doubled down on the Scoops podcast <laughs> that's like by saying quad- very like five times. <laughs> that's quadrupling. Down. That's taking a second mortgage on your house and doubling down on aces. Right. So so Charrington's in. I thought that was funny. I don't know how many other candidates are out there, but Charrington would make sense. My first thought on Charrington, at least as I've been pondering him the last few weeks before I really dove into sure. his timeline. Yeah. I thought, yeah, architect of the 2013 Red Sox World Champions, but had a few 90-loss weird seasons in and around that. Also hired Bobby Valentine. And yeah. then my other thought was, also signed a bunch of terrible contracts yeah. that they wound up having to dump on the Dodgers. Not true on multiple fronts here. Okay. So he, we'll start with the players. Adrian Gonzalez. It was Adrian Gonzalez, Carl Crawford, Carl Crawford Josh Beckett. Mm-hmm. Now, Beckett was around with the Red Sox since about 06. Yeah. It was a long-term uh, contract. I think, so he pitched for the Marlins. I think that was the 2006 World Series when he won game six against the Yankees. And I want to say he went to the Red Sox after that. That was the 03 World Series. He went to the Red Sox in 06. Thank you. Yes. And then the Red Sox won it in 07. Crawford was a long-term signee in, like, 2011 before Charrington was GM. And sure. Adrian Gonzalez was a trade and then a so, contract extension, I believe. So he inherited the Crawford one. Is that right? Um, he inherited all three of those. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, all three of those. I thought he extended Gonzalez. I was mistaken on that then, too. It's possible he—now, they, they acquired Gonzalez. It's possible that he was part of extending. Now, he was the assistant GM, so I'm not saying that, sure. oh, he had nothing to do with right. uh, a potential train wreck clubhouse atmosphere. Uh, the the other thing, I went back and read a New York Times article about the search process for Bobby Valentine, and it was, uh, I believe, team president and CEO was his title at the time, Larry okay. Lucchino, sure. who essentially put Bobby Valentine in front of Ben Charrington and said, this is the guy that we would really like, as the, the ownership group would really like Bobby Valentine. He'd spice things up. He'd be exciting. Uh, he'd be a headline guy. We could make a big splash, get people all excited. And so Charrington was sort of forced into hiring Bobby Valentine. And Lucina was even asked about that during the process. Did you force Bobby Valentine on your new GM, Ben Charrington? And he said, I wouldn't characterize it that way. <laughs> it's a collaborative process. Yeah, okay. And All if, right, Sue. And if the ownership group is to sort of push a little more for various positions, it would be GM and manager. That sounds like political ah. speak. <laughs> so 2012 turned out to be a train wreck for Ben Charrington's Red Sox. Sure. They had players marching up to the owner's office and, and the GM's office saying, get this manager yeah, out of here. Yeah. So they wind up doing two things. Charrington dumps those contracts on the Dodgers, and it worked out for them because those guys played pretty well. At least Adrian Gonzalez was a star for them and still a pretty good player. And then they fire Bobby Valentine. 
blank canvas with a bunch of money to spend, along with your core players you already had, like the John Lesters and the John Lackeys and Pedroia, David Ortiz, those guys. Blank canvas for 2013, he paints a World Series winner. Yeah. Puts together a great bullpen, power on base, takes a toxic clubhouse and turns it into one of the best clubhouses again in baseball. Funny how um, winning cures that sort of Sure, thing. but it's also it's a little of both. Yeah, I think there's right. a they go hand in hand. Who was the guy uh uh Ross, right, that get all the credit for to being the clubhouse Johnny chemist. Gomes? David Ross, too. All of them have beards. Yeah. Mike Napoli was on that team. It's the same look. It's the Phil Mackey At the very least, look. if Ben Sherrington comes to the Twins, sure. everyone's going to have an epic beard. <laughs> Even Kurt Suzuki, if he comes back. Going to have an epic beard on that guy. Um, so you're saying what he did with a blank slate has intrigued you more than what you previously thought of free agent Ben Sherrington? I, I thought there were, there were a lot more ups and downs, and it was kind of a 50-50 mix. Uh, it, now, he did sign the Pablo Sandoval contract. I was Sandoval just going to ask you, a five-year, $95 million deal, which I bet you they're wishing they didn't sure. have right now. So, so, But but then again, you, you probably wouldn't be signing guys like Pablo Sandoval to five-year. You could save yourself from yourself by being the Twins GM. Sure. Uh, you, you probably wouldn't be signing the, the guys like that. The next big money like that you should be spending will be on like Miguel Sano, Byron Buxton. Internal guys. If it works. Sure. Jose so, Barreos. So all of this is to say that Charrington, very effective from 2012 to 2013. Things went downhill again in 14-15, winds up being replaced by Dave Dombrowski. He's in the mix for the job, and if it was Ben Charrington is door number one and you know that he's behind door number one, or random candidate behind door number yeah. two, I'm taking Ben Charrington. Me too. And I'm putting him in charge as, yeah. the, as the president of baseball operations. Let's see. And fact check. Um Stealing a page from Tony Reale's book here. You're right. 2003 World Series was Josh Beckett when he tagged out Jorge Posada to end that game six. And Beckett won World Series MVP. 2006 World Series. I am sorry to the St. Louis Cardinals for having forgotten you won the 2006 World Series. Now we're factually correct. The Cardinals are kind of like the Braves were for for 20 yeah. years dominating and only there. really one World Series to yeah. show for it. Yeah. Maybe get a look back with some regret. Uh, maybe, although you'd rather be that than like the White Sox who popped up and did they win it in 2005? Was that the mm-hmm. White Sox Astros World Series? And then you never hear from the mostly White Sox irrelevant. Again. Yeah. Right, it's true. Um, so, so I agree with the premise. I am curious to see the process play out because I do think we'll start to hear some more names floated for in the mix of. And I like that we've all sort of caught on to the idea that um, we're not necessarily looking at a GM search here. We're looking at a baseball operation, uh, like the president or whatever title you want to get. I've just been characterizing it as the boss of the operations department. The godfather of the Twins yeah. baseball operations The department. Don. Sure. Go hire Donnie Baseball to be the Don. <laughs> get him out of his Marlins contract and see what happens. Um, the the idea that they're, I, I think they should restructure the front office. In fact, I think that's overdue for the Twins, and then maybe have a GM, whether it's Rob Antony or somebody else. I, I mean, frankly, that part's a little less interesting to me than the person who's setting the blueprint and, and sort of setting the tracks. Um, I expect that to be what, hap- what, what happens here, and I'm curious to know what the timeline is like, and I'm glad to see that over the weekend, uh, Twins president Dave St. Peter, who, by the way, not involved in baseball decisions, I've seen some misconceptions of that on Twitter, Lately, he runs the business arm well, of the Twins. That's true, but Jim Polet has been on the record pretty clear. And you and I were in that yeah. that post uh, Terry Ryan firing press conference. Jim is leaning on Dave for this process and for the next right. hire. Now Which they have is, a search firm, and it's, I think that's a really good idea to have brought in a search firm then, because Dave St. Peter, while he probably has a deep 
Rolodex. Do people still use Rolodexes? Uh, I you know I haven't seen one in a long time. Okay, Sid has one. Yeah. I think. I mean, it's like oh. it's like I don't use Kleenex, but I call everything that I would blow my nose into a Kleenex. So everything you would save your your mm. collection of numbers in could just still be called a Rolodex. <laughs> my LG Rolodex. <laughs> um, I've got a Sid story from Vikings practice for you, by the way. But um, the uh, the mystery candidate sort of thing, this door number two that you're talking to talking about. I don't want to forego that just yet. I agree with you. Ben Sherrington should be a strong candidate, and I said that from the day t- Terry Ryan was fired. He'd be an interesting candidate. I'd like to see who else is a candidate, and I'm glad to get circle back to my point about St. Peter. I'm glad that he sort of softened his stance about the Twins are expecting to have a person in place to run the baseball department by the end of the season. Because I always thought that was – now. Jim said that. Jim Polad said, yeah, this, that's not an unrealistic timeline. And to me, that's a detached billionaire without a clue if he says that and thinks that. What makes you think Jim Polad might be a detached billionaire without a clue? I'm going to fast forward past that question because right. I recognize it was a rhetorical question. Yeah, I can't think of anything. And there. Dave, to his credit, in that little press meeting said, uh, that's our hopeful timeline. We're not set in stone. It's not a failure if we don't have it by that time. We'd like to have somebody in place. Yeah, that was one of ten different times where Dave awkwardly sort of interjected, yeah. if I may say, right. if I may correct the clueless billionaire over here. He didn't say that. I think that's just how we all interpreted it. <laughs> um, but, but, and I said this on um, your wonderful radio show uh, this week, I, I think the problem with that from the beginning the problem was saying – because, look, would it be helpful by October 1st to have somebody in charge so that you can just start the offseason? Okay, house cleaning stuff needs to happen pretty much right away. Uh, when the World Series is done, you've got these narrow windows. There are business things that need to happen on the baseball operations side of things that would just be much better to have your leader there rather than sort of operating like the headless horseman. But – I don't know if it's worth it to have that person in place for, like, your org meetings, which would be great, of course, but you can always reschedule those. It, it's not as important to have that person there present at those immediately following the season meetings as it is to have the right person in place. Wouldn't that be really weird, though, if they if they asked Rob Anting to go down and conduct organizational meetings I know. and a blueprint for the offseason while they still finalize and conduct their GM yeah. search and in sorry, October? And sorry, uh, Dave couldn't be at this meeting. He's out interviewing your future replacements. <laughs> like, it's a weird dynamic, and it's just going to – there's no way around it. There's just a weird uh, element to this that I don't think you see a lot of times in professional sports, but that's just the situation the Twins are yeah. in right now. Well, the problem with – Limiting yourself to an end of the season hire, you're basically shopping from within four buckets. And I mentioned these on the radio, but I'll bring them back here. You are shopping from one bucket, which is people currently unemployed. Okay. Bucket number two, employed, but they're working as like the CEO of a different company. They're not in baseball or they're not in, you know, maybe they're in major league baseball, but they're not um, working for another front office. Okay. So they're underemployed in this case if their ultimate goal is to become a gm or president of baseball ops all right so that's two and not to say that you couldn't get a good candidate from either of those charrington certainly a good candidate but it's not the most inspiring way to label a bucket right pool number three is gms or people pretty high up on the ladder of losing baseball teams teams that are currently not any good or not going to the postseason 
That's not to say you wouldn't get a qualified candidate from there. It's just not that inspiring of a bucket to be shopping. That would be the Billy Ryan name we saw floated from Atlanta, Bob Nightingale last week, last week. Yeah, Atlanta Braves. Terry Ryan's nephew. <laughs> or, we or the weird that? love child of Bill Smith and Terry Ryan. I don't think we ever confirmed Billy Ryan. either of those. That is rampant speculation. Billy Ryan would be the ultimate twins hire, right? Just because his name is Billy Ryan. Sure. He's the product. And he botched of, a personnel move in like May that made headlines. He's the product of their last three GMs. Yeah. <laughs> Terry Ryan, Bill Smith, and Terry Ryan. Um, From the only team worse than the twins record-wise, right. too, of course. So that's what I'm saying. Those are three uninspiring buckets, even if it's true, and I believe this fully, that you could get a good candidate from one or all three of those buckets. Probably, I'm sure you could find somebody that would be good at running a baseball ops department from any one of those three buckets, but they're just not that inspiring. The fourth bucket that I mentioned is someone who's on like a winning team, someone who's going to go to October, but who's low enough on the totem pole that they don't mind flirting with a competitor while they are trying to win a World Series. If, if somebody, uh, you know, somebody in... Take your pick. The Cubs front office. All right. If the number three in the Cubs front office. That'd be Randy Bush, I believe. And Randy Bush, I think, is already somebody. I saw this. I think he went on the record and said he's not interested in the job. Is that right? Interesting. I didn't see that. I I think I saw that uh, in like the Chicago Tribune or something. But but anyways, even if that's not true, that's I'd need a fact checker on that. So touch them all listeners. Let me know. But the the fourth bucket. You'd probably have to go lower than number three, right? I mean, if you're number six in the Cubs front office, you got a pretty good thing going right now. Or number six in, the, I think the Dodgers. Like I look at the Dodgers uh, as this dream destination. If you're a front office executive, like you've got a ton of money, you've got a smart front office, you've got Farhan Zaidi running yeah. things. The other you've advantage, got Andrew the Dodgers might be paying more per. I don't know what they're paying, like Gabe Kapler to be their liaison between mm-hmm. analytics and front office and players. He's in charge of their. Uh, minor league, the farm system. Yeah, I, like I player development yeah. director. I mean, like something. He, he if he's not making triple what the next guy at, at what what the same guy in a different organization is making, I I would be shocked. Well, okay, so, so that's do, part the, of it. They're so flush you, with cash. You'd have to pay coming from a, a different organization. Like if you want to, Jed, Jed Lowry probably makes really good money. You'd have to pay Jed Lowry a lot of money, uh, even if he would. You know, you'd have to decide if he'd be willing to take the job and leave the Cubs for one. They'd have to win the World Series before you even have that conversation. I would think. But that's part of my my question is like how far down the totem pole of a successful organization would you need to go to have somebody that's like, oh, yeah, I'll openly flirt well, with but the this Twins. Is, this is an appealing job in a lot of ways, though. It's Maybe. still It's still a relatively new stadium. I agree. So there's still potential for a lot more revenue than they've been bringing in lately if you want to go down that path. But there are a lot of good young position players all on the rise at the same sure. time right now. I mean, and if you think you can come in here and get Byron Buxton going and Jose Barrios going, which we can talk about him maybe before this podcast is over, it's an it's an appealing crop of young players. I think it's a, in a lot of ways it's an appealing place to live, especially during the baseball season. And then during the off season, guess what? You go live in Florida. Go live right. in Fort Myers. Sure. So you never really have to deal with the cold. And um, it's an organization that's probably not going to fire you yeah. unless you're absolutely terrible for at least five or six years. Well, and I would come in, I would apply for this job, and they'd say, you know, they'd be asking me questions and why are you qualified. But I'd end the interview by saying, like, why should I take this job? And one of the things that I would demand is give me a six-year contract. Like, I don't want to mess around with this quick turnaround. I think I could turn this team into a pretty competitive team in short order if you let me do whatever I wanted in terms of flexible spending and whatever. You change the different systems and processes. 
but I wouldn't count on myself to make a quick turnaround, and I wouldn't ask my employer to do that. I'd I'd want some runway if I was coming in to take this job. Um, and I still think, despite all the things that, especially if the twins are going to say, um, and it sounds like you're like already a, a paid spokesman for the city of Minneapolis. Like, this, I mean, this is a great town to live in, but and you, you know sound what? like you could I, be on a billboard. I'm telling you what, I've, I've done a lot of exploring this summer. Yeah. A lot of just, you know, Minneapolis, St. Paul. It's if, great. If I wasn't living here. I've, I mean, I've lived here for 30 years. If yeah. I wasn't living here, I want to visit here all the time in for the sure. summer. Yeah. It's, I would feel the same way about Minneapolis as I do about Denver when the weather's nice or about Chicago. Sure. Just pop in, pop out four times a year, little three-day weekends. Sometime between May 15th and September 15th. Yeah. Ideally. There's four. I said this to someone last weekend. Uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul is one of my favorite areas in sure. the country for like eight months out of the year. Okay. And the other four months are so bad, it makes you almost not want to live right. there for the great <laughs> eight months. I know. I know. Just, Isn't that weird? You just and for us, we just begged the company to send us to Fort Myers a few weeks before <laughs> yeah. the end of winter. Hey, we'll we do some over. podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, despite the fact that this is possibly an appealing job, I think that the Twins were very much going to severe and, and hamstring their candidate list by saying October one or October three or what, whatever. I think you're smarter to say, let's push off the org meetings. We'll get everybody on the same page once we have a leader running the baseball ops department. But if that person wants to, you know, if there's somebody with a team that's going to go to a wild card game and then they get bounced from the wild card game, maybe give them a day, send your condolences, send them some flowers. And then the day after that, follow up and say, hey, by the way, we'd like permission to talk to so and so about our open job. I think that's just going to be the smarter way to approach it. I don't think it's the only way that you can do it, but I don't think you should be tying yourself off to those four buckets that I mentioned by saying, artificially we're giving ourselves a deadline which organizations off the top of your head are you most curious to pluck from i like organizations give me like five give me give me five organizations off the top of your head and i'll give you five okay that you would i'm not saying that if you hire someone teams. from google they're for sure going to be the next amazing ceo of the startup company yeah i mean they some could of be... it might be success by association exactly exactly but just like where, where you'd say I would be really curious to tap the brain of someone who came from this organization. I'll give you – you know what? I'll just pull up the divisions, and I'll give you one from every division just for fun. Okay. Uh, the Red Sox. The Indians. Yeah. Indians and Royals is a tough choice. But I like I, – I, I think that the Indians are doing enough things that haven't been publicized because they didn't just go to two straight World Series that I'd be curious to know – but you know, how did you develop this pitching staff? Yeah, the Indians, I would say, are the best team in baseball the last five years that hasn't really achieved anything yet. If that, it's sure. a weird no, oxymoron. No, 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 absolutely. Where they keep winning eighty-six to ninety games, and they keep having devastating injuries, and the, and they just don't rise up quite enough until this year. We'll see. They have by far the best run differential in the division, and I believe, yep, they're tied for the best run differential in base in uh, the American League right now. Uh the AL West is an interesting one because I'd like to pick the Astros' brains to talk about what the whole hacking situation was like with <laughs> Jeff Luno and the Cardinals. But my real answer for that division would be the Rangers. Yeah, I'm I'm with you in lockstep right now. John Daniels is a very interesting person to me, and I'd like to know what that process is like for setting up a structure. Uh, uh, that's that's another play. really underrated organization where even they, they lose these key pieces. You have a guy like Prince Fielder, that contract, and that, sure. that just didn't work out at all the last few years. Despite that, and despite Tommy John surgeries yeah. and you Darvish missing a full season, there they are again, 20 games yeah. above 500. Well, and they should probably have at least one World Series I was just win. Gonna say, just if couldn't get that final strike. Say, say Ron Washington wins that World Series. That, is it the, that was the Cardinals World 2011, Series, 2011, right? I think, or 12, yeah. 
if they win that World Series, we talk about this team so much differently. But now what we remember is uh, – what I remember from that Texas Rangers World Series team is that Nolan Ryan got so much face time during the World Series. And the rest of it is kind of like secondary. But uh, that's that's a really interesting front office to me. That's one that I want to go. National League I'm not quite as familiar with. Um, but really curious about the Mets. And uh, I'm, I'm going division by division here. Because, like, there are some teams that I just don't know what I don't know. But I, the Mets. The Mets and the, the the pitching angle alone there. Right? I, know. I know they've had some injuries. Exactly. Just, that's I mean, why. For them, for them to have that many incredible pitchers under the age of, like, 25 or 26, there's something there. You know, you could say the same thing about the Nationals. Uh, from Steven Strasburg to Tanner Rourke to Joe Ross. Lucas They've had some Giolito. injuries, too. Yeah. I would even say uh, the Mets dating back as far as the Johan Santana trade because they got a Cy Young winner without really giving up very much, it turns out. And it didn't work out for the Twins. But, hey, you could have a second crack at Carlos Gomez yeah. now if you want. Um, I guess I would rather trade the Mets and go just, like, pillage the NL Central because <laughs> the Cubs, Cardinals, and Pirates are all really interesting to for me. For sure. And the Pirates— I think the Pirates and the Cardinals even more so than the Cubs because the Cubs are always going to operate in the top seven or eight revenues. Sure. They're, they're going to have a larger payroll. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the Cardinals have been spending quite a bit of money, but they're always kind of on the fringe of the top ten in payroll, and the Pirates are bottom ten in payroll. Yeah. And those two teams fit the profile of the Twins more than the Cubs would. I was just thinking um, on so on the Jed Hoyer thing. I mean, probably he wouldn't leave. And this is just me flashing back in my memory. Did you Did you call him Jed Lowry earlier on the podcast? No, I'm serious. I think I think I really want a scrappy utility player because that my name next GM. keeps getting confused in my head too. I keep seeing those two. I want uh, Nick Punto, <laughs> Jed Lowry, and maybe even Ben Zobrist. Yeah. I just want GMs who've had experience playing every infield position because they know what it's like. Dirt on the uh, suit and tie. Uh, I agree with your assertion on uh, the, Pir- the Pirates are maybe one of the most interesting teams mm-hmm. uh, to me in terms of, and they're doing some fairly advanced medical stuff too i'd be curious this isn't just a baseball operations discussion i think you should assess this thing from top to bottom pirates for me would be interesting in that case and then in the nl west i'm going with the dodgers i i made my uh my um biases toward the dodgers clear i think that despite the fact that they're um kind of neck and neck with the giants and the giants won three world series in five years like I, i get it a lot of people would be tempted to say the giants here i just feel and this is more gut than fact i feel like the dodgers what they're trying to set up or what they're in the process of setting up is probably more replicable if that makes sense i disagree okay fair I, enough. I think their payroll is too big well, for you to replicate anything they're doing i think they're they're probably paying forget about just the team payroll sure. which which is going to be double or triple what a team like the twins are going to spend the next right. five or ten years i think it's going to be impossible to replicate any front office structure or any scouting structure because political you can't structure pay as much they just have more resources sure. they're just able to you know sheer resources and bodies they're just able to get smarter and more people in general than you would if you're you know the the team with the 15th best resource sure. situation in baseball and, and you could put the giants in a similar ca- the giants are going to be have some money. a top 8 payroll and revenue team it's it's san francisco it's blowing up it's silicon valley i mean they've got money i might prioritize that if i was a baseball organization and maybe the twins are in a different spot cuz they might be kind of close to competing but let's say the twins were in a bad situation where five of the past six years they've had 90 lost seasons and you determined that they're not going anywhere so you go, you get, you hire a young manager, and you say, okay, now it's just going to be kids for a couple of years, and we're just going to take our lumps. 
I might invest a lot more money on the baseball ops and development and scouting and medical side of things when I said, hey, all right, payroll is going to be down. So if I'm saving $30 million over what I should be spending in payroll, I'm going to inject that money back into my business and make my company thrive a little bit better. Like I said, not necessarily apples to apples for the twins, but it's something to think about. I think sports teams and leagues – uh, with as much money as pouring in, I think there's going to be some certain teams that are investing in their future right now. I'm not just talking about Major League Baseball, but I think teams are going to invest in their future, and we'll see in 15, 20 years if any of those investments bear fruit. Uh, three very short answer questions for you okay. to close the podcast. Like one-word answers. Let's fire through these. Can I answer. can I plug my email list before we get to this rapid fire? Uh, no. Okay. Well, then let's just go to rapid fire. Yes, you can. Go oh, ahead. Plug oh. away. Check out my email list. How? Go to Five Thoughts. <laughs> go find any of the Five Thoughts columns, and I'll you put your email in at the bottom of those. It's it's pretty simple. I email you all my columns. So uh, 1500ESPN.com, you can find those on any of Derek's columns. And I accidentally just Googled me, bro the audience so i'm sorry for that but I, i'm ready for your rapid fire questions now google image me bro See i just all googled. of my stone-faced redhead pictures <laughs> did i did i show you this while we were talking about gabe kapler i looked it up touch them all listeners if oh you're, he's, if you he's want a treat. beautiful man he really is gabe kapler and click over to the image tab if you want to be wowed uh, for someone who yes he works in a baseball front office and yes he's bright and he runs a great blog uh <laughs> Cap lifestyle is there's there's all kinds of he's it's, it is, this is not a six pack this is like a sixteen pack yeah there's a lot going on there there's a lot to digest uh, three quick so let's just do one word answers both of us to finish the podcast here. okay are you concerned about Jose Barrios no I agree. are you no okay we can expand on that later gotta in be another a good podcast, podcast episode yeah would you non tender Trevor Plouffe assuming he's going to make nine million dollars in his final year of arbitration and team control. I'm going to break the rules and answer more than one. It depends on the rest of the situation, but in a vacuum, yes. Are you? One word answer, no, I wouldn't. Okay. I need to see what the trade market's like. Sure. If, I, if I'm if i not going to get anything for him in a trade, then why would I want to commit to $9 million when, when I have this kind of a log jam? Okay. Um, I think there's some value in just clearing up the log jam. Another very He's good He's going podcast. to be good for whoever he plays for next time around, though. He's going to hit 15 or 20 home runs, play some good defense if he's healthy. Another good podcast. Yep. Would you switch bodies with Gabe Kapler? In a hot second. You thought way too long. Yeah. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator Skin. Man, I love Operator Skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. This- Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, Roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.